Welcome back to The Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and this is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's beautiful conversation was with the good Dr. Dominic Neischwitz, Dr. Dome One on the IG. He is a biological dentist. He is a functional medicine doctor, and he is the author of It's All in Your Mouth. This conversation will probably be surprising for a lot of people. Dr. Dom gets into how some of the musculoskeletal issues that people might be experiencing around lines of inflammation or joint pain, uh, also going into things like brain fog, acne, various different conditions that a person may be experiencing that it seems like it's coming from that specific point in the body, in fact, may be coming from or stemming from the mouth. So this conversation is just highly illuminating uh, and really starts to kind of change or bend our perspective of what it means to have a whole healthy body and uh, how so many conditions, in fact, are originating from what the heck is going on inside of your mouth. Alrighty, that is it. That is all. I think you guys are going to absolutely devour this conversation. I'm so grateful for Dr. Dom to share his time and wisdom and years of clinical work uh, with us today. So if you enjoy this conversation, por favor, share it with your friends, share it with your family, leave us some reviews on the old Apple podcast, wherever you listen to this guy. And that's it. That's all. Here we go. Back to the podcast with Dr. Dominic. Something I've been really interested in for the last handful of years has been the impact of removing teeth. And it seems like common practice, like, of course, just get your wisdom teeth out. Even if there's nothing wrong, just get them out of there because they're going to be a pain in the butt later on in life. And then not thinking that perhaps there is some retaining value to those teeth taking up space. Uh, do you have what are your, your, your thoughts on on root canals, one from like a musculoskeletal perspective, and then two from if there's any other issues that could manifest from that. Yeah, common practice is in Western world to remove wisdom teeth, correct? I would say 80% of all teenagers get them removed because of crowding, spacing issues. They need it for their orthodontic treatment, for having nice straight teeth. But basically having no place or no space, not enough space for teeth is a problem in itself. So, and this starts even earlier. So if it's possible, just go from that, if it's possible to keep wisdom teeth because the jaw will grow and there's enough space, obviously keeping healthy teeth is the best option. But why is this a problem in the Western world? That's actually something that Weston Price studied already. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Big, big fan of Weston A. Price, yeah. Me too, big fan. I would say he's one of the first biological dentists. He was the chairman of the American Dental Association and... He did a lot of research when it comes to root canals, but also when it comes to nutrition and physical degeneration. And as you know, he traveled the whole world, basically finding ancestral living or endogenous people like Swiss people in the Alps. He also went to see the, the Aborigines or to Africa. And what he wanted to see is how the facial structure, how the whole body structure is basically grown when you eat regular foods or what happens if you get access to what he saw with his patients back then, industrial foods that just started sugar and refined oils and grains, gluten-containing grains, like all the processed foods that, are, that had started in the industrial age. So and what he found was that more ancestral living people had perfect white jaws, white nostrils, 
They would breathe through their noses, have space for all the 32 teeth, including all the wisdom teeth, obviously. No scoliosis and perfect teeth, basically, and everything aligned and perfect for your name and your podcast. But the kids or like the younger generation, which had access to the processed foods, let's just say processed foods or the newer foods, they would look like little monsters, crowded teeth, tooth decay, gum disease, basically mouth breathing and narrow faces, crooked, and also um, scoliosis, basically like our teenagers nowadays. That's what he found 100 years ago. And he correlated it totally to nutritional deficiencies due to the wrong foods and lots of inflammation while growing up, missing on the key nutrients that build jaws, that build bone, that build teeth. And yeah, then you look like a little monster instead of perfectly aligned human being. And this is still the problem in the Western world. You know how we grow up. So I had my wisdom teeth removed. I don't know if you did. Um, I did not. That's awesome. Is they all in line or they're impacted? I don't know. I mean, you don't even know. It could. You big? Do you tall guy? Tall guy. How tall? Uh, between six four and six five, so almost two meters. So if you could count three molars, then they are in line with, and then it's actually perfect because wisdom teeth. Every tooth basically is a tiny organ. It has a lymph supply, it has a blood supply, it has an autonomic nervous system part. And there is this um, tooth meridian connection. And the wisdom teeth are connected to your whole autonomic nervous system, to your heart and the heart meridian and the small intestine. And basically what happens on the wisdom tooth area is the whole adrenal glands are, are connected. And yeah, it's kind of like your inner strength or your life force. And now imagine from that perspective, if you get taken out this before there was even a chance to grow out, like in poop, most people get it removed when they're in puberty, it brings bigger problems yeah, to remove them. Obviously, if you have no space at one point, you probably need to be, they need to be removed because that's in itself pathological. Having no space for the teeth is a problem, but it started way, way earlier. But the common practice to remove wisdom teeth let's say in between 14 years to 21 years old, is just go see a maxillofacial surgeon. Don't be prepared. Just go in there and then big surgery, big cuts, no preparation, most likely leads to post-surgical problems in terms of recovery. It's called dry socket syndrome. A lot of people experience this. So what happens is that there's no blood clot. It hurts like hell. They will get, the patients get treated by, anti- by antibiotics. Basically, this whole area really doesn't heal up. And later on, something maybe we touch later is something happens. So the, the wound closes itself, like the gum tissue will close over time. You will maybe get some antibiotics. And then at one point, it doesn't hurt anymore and the wound is closed. But what happened over time is your body wasn't prepared for surgery. It was too much of a trauma and the lack of nutrients plus being in puberty and all the epigenetic factors led to a disease called cavitation in layman's term, better known as NICO, neuralgia-inducing cavitational osteonecrosis, or FDOJ, basically fatty degenerative osteonecrotic jawbone, which means the bone never healed. So you have, basically, you have a hole in your bone back there underneath your gum, inside of the hard part of the bone, which is the cortical bone, but it's silent inflammation. It grew there over time. It's the perfect cave for anaerobic bacteria, and it's directly connected to this nerve called trigeminal nerve, 
which also happens to have a connection to the vagal nerve, which you're probably familiar with because this is the big part of your parasympathetic nervous system, leaving a huge chronic inflammation, chronic stressor, tons of toxins and bacteria in here. The problem is nobody even knows about it because this is something you don't learn in university and it's still kind of in the quackery, whereas there's tons of research out there. So it's a big deal with the wisdom teeth and you should really know what to do. And this is, I'm the surgeon, I remove wisdom teeth if I have to, but never unprepared. We will always prepare our patients with the right nutrition, with the right nutrients for at least four to six weeks prior. We will test lots of different blood work to see where they're at. We never just do like a high, I call it high, if you just catch somebody that is not prepared, not like you maybe or me who are already doing everything for their health, you pretty much will catch somebody in hibernation mode, meaning low vitamin D3, tons of nutritional deficiencies, eating the standard Western diet. It won't heal. It's not, not possible. And then you end up having problems later in life due to these chronic inflammations that are still in your jawbone that you don't feel most of the time. And as you know, it's connected to heart, meridian, and adrenal glands, central nervous system. You can imagine what's the problem in the overall body. You don't feel it here, but maybe you have a chronic shoulder problem, chronic elbow problem, chronic skin disease, irritable bowel syndrome. Typically, uh, the usual suspects are autoimmune problems related to this, or um, chronic fatigue is a big one. So basically everything you see on a daily basis in this epidemic of chronic disease could be linked to your mouth. That's why I always say health starts in your mouth, and it basically makes sense because this is the entrance to this tube that goes or runs through your whole body. That's such like a total reframe from the perspective that I think many people, myself included for a long time, would have of the teeth, where it just seems like they are, I don't know, like the chain on a on a chainsaw. It's just it just cuts through the stuff and it's like this isolated vacuum as opposed to being individual organs that are completely integrated into your autonomic nervous system and, you know, your immune system. And I saw an interesting picture showing the nerves coming off of the teeth and traveling all the way back up to, you know, into the spinal cord. And I mean, it's it's so beautiful to see that. But I think the way that Western culture in large part, our, our, our perspectives are molded via two-dimensional textbooks. We kind of see things as isolated, reduced parts as opposed to integrated systems. And one of the things you have in your book, it's all in your mouth, that I found to be interesting and kind of obvious, which a lot of the most interesting things are, but there's no separation between your mouth and your digestive system and your intestines. And so we're so hot and bothered by the, you know, the microflora inside of our intestines, you know, and the microbiome. But you can actually gather much information just about your microbiome by looking into the mouth or smelling someone's breath or is there like some you know fuzzy furry stuff on their tongue or is there you know so it's an interesting thing it's like the, the mouth is kind of like a window into the at least into the the microbiome and if you want to be more poetic you could maybe say like a window into the soul yeah and everything yeah perfect i always say it's the mirror to your overall health because you can really see and smell Within a second, if something is rotten in your body, because you can see it on, te- on your teeth. And yes, the microbiome, everybody talks about the intestines and gut health and digestion. But think about it, like you actually said it, where does it really start? What are you doing right now? Is drinking something. Maybe there's some food in it. So it starts in your mouth. When you prepare your food or when you smell food, your saliva will start to, to flow, right? Saliva is this miracle liquid in your mouth that actually already with chewing foods will start dissolving foods or already yeah 
which is important to, to chew your chew your smoothies, right? That's something I say a lot. So when you're chewing that mastication, chomping motion, that's actually causing the release of various different enzymes that break down carbohydrates, from my understanding. And if you're bypassing that and you're allowing the chompers of the blender to do all of the chewing, you're actually missing out on a fundamental process in your your digestion. There's tons of amylases in your in your saliva and your mouth. Yeah, and if you bypass that, it's bad because it's then undigested. Part is missing. So it's good to say to chew your smoothie. You actually also should chew your water and everything and keep it a little bit in your mouth. What does that, what does that mean, chew your water? That means you just don't swallow it or burp, uh, gargle it down too fast. Just like have it a little bit in your mouth. Why? It's just to warm it up and get the right temperature. But also, everything you have in your mouth is basically preparing your gut, your intestines, and also brings in the right enzymes, the right peptides, whatever is needed further down. It is really the digestive tract. Basically, what I always say is your gut starts in your mouth, not in your stomach down there, not below your diaphragm, but actually where you put stuff in. And if you see it from your microbiome perspective, the microbiome that we mostly talk about is in your colon and not the one at the beginning. So the microbiome in your mouth is, is about ten, four to ten folds more diversified and bigger than the one in your colon and according to literature and that makes sense because everything you put in your mouth is like has to be controlled it's also kind of like your own inner army or protection system and you know that we are like a symbion i don't have to tell you that we're a symbion with all the i think we only one tenth human dna yeah the rest bacterial which that number keeps getting kind of twisted around but yeah it's a lot yeah <laughs> but sometimes i was i was thinking who is really the host here? You know, you never know. Yeah. So there is this theory, there is so many theories that we have been a worm at one point, which could be this tube going through us and the worm then build a body around it. Everything is possible. We've been, we have not been there, so I can imagine everything. So it's really interesting. If you also see epidemiology, how all these different parts in your body are connected when it comes to the neural tube, which means how your cells grow from being an embryo and then build each other, how it's all connected, that a part of your, that your sinus is basically a part of your large intestine. It's really great if you see all these things. And then you get this integrated view, like you said on this one picture where you see the, t the teeth the 32 teeth connected to your whole brain, kind of like the eyes. Yeah, Teeth and eyes are extensions of your brain and really qualify as organs. And they, those are the closest basically to your brain, to your thyroid. Obviously, whatever you do on them, in them, or in your mouth will affect your whole body. It's kind of like if you inject something in your shoulder, it will still be in your whole body. Obviously, also on the teeth. But the problem is in conventional dentistry, which is... Obviously, the entrance card that all dentists need is it's more like you're saying the teeth are kind of like parts of your just to bite and it's hard stuff. So it probably can be drilled and filled and be used for just biting, but it's so much more than just biting. Um, it's really fascinating stuff. A reframe of our visual system, our eyes came to me recently from a buddy. Are you familiar with Andrew Huberman, Dr. Andrew Huberman? Yes, I listened to him because he's also a skater and um, right, exactly. a scientist. Yeah, Andrew's great, but he one of the things that he reframed for me is the 
you know, I kind of learned the central nervous system was, you know, the spine brain, and then you had the peripheral nervous system was pretty much everything else. And then it's like, well, the eyes are a continuation of the central nervous system. They're going right off the brain. Could you maybe make a similar argument with the teeth? I mean, ultimately, again, all of these are deductions. The central nervous system, peripheral nervous, those, those are just stories that we're kind of telling ourselves. Ultimately, the body has no idea what we're talking about. But is there that direct of a connection that you could make that argument about the teeth? If you can say that, I'm, I'm not a native speaker, but Obviously, it's exactly the same from anatomy. We have 12 cranial nerves. The eyes are on the oculomotorius and the teeth are connected to the trigeminal nerves. It's one of these 12 cranial nerves and 50% of all the space in your brain for these 12 uh, nerves is reserved for this trigeminous nerve. So yes, it could be, I would say you could say exactly the same for the teeth. This is really something that nobody's talking about and... Obviously, what, there's a big theory because it's an extension of your brain. And if you look at the mineral structure of teeth, also just theory and not really like there's no research behind it. But look at these teeth. Those are crystals, crystal structures. There is the theory that this is the external hard drive of your computer here where stuff gets stored because of the tiny um, crystal structure. It's kind of like, is it called an external drive? Hard drive, yeah. I think that's really possible yeah, that, that something gets stored there. This conversation has the potential to get very weird. One direction that I thought was really interesting, and, and I got this from your your book, which is again, this is like this would you could get this from other books as well, but that in the exploration of it was in relation of discovering the microflora species inside the mouth some three hundred years ago, von Huck and something or another. But he was like he had a microscope, he was observing semen and found all the sperm in there. It was like, oh my god, it's a bunch of little swimmers in there. And you know, observing saliva and seeing all these, you know, hundreds of species of microflora existing in our saliva in our in our mouth and then you drew that back to you know them being the original inhabitants of everything you know and so drawing back 13.8 whatever billion years with the big bang that was the origination of these bacteria and whether it's the exact same bacteria in the mouth or not i mean i, I don't know who knows but it's you know some level of ancestral connection to that and i feel like if you smoke enough weed you know or eat enough mushrooms or whatever and sit with it you can kind of be like oh my god like i this human form that I call, you know, Aaron, you call Dom or Dominic, you know, it's like, in fact, my consciousness is riding on the back of this bacteria that's been along billions, been around billions of years longer than, than me, you know, and we, we kind of think that like, oh, like I am, I'm the king, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in control here. It's like, oh, I, I don't know. I feel like the bacteria might, might kind of be running the show. <laughs> <laughs> they might have been running the show for, for, you know, since the beginning of time. You know, so to develop a relationship with those bacteria seems like the move. You know, if you can't beat them, join them. You know, so it's like, it's an interesting, especially presently, and I'll shut up in a second. It presently, we're kind of in this war against bacteria and viruses and, you know, in this state of hypersanitization. And, you know, it's it seems almost kind of sweet to just remove your teeth and put something more sterile inside there as like with the narrative that we're gathering. Yeah, that's what I meant by who is really the host. Yeah, it's so obviously like normally the idea was to eat more dirt, which was better for your whole microbiome. The more diversified, the better probably. Currently other things. There is this... Um, did you know that in some cultures, a, a wedding gift was to remove the bride's teeth or the whole set of teeth, huh. save money for later or something, or keep her healthy for later? I don't. Know I heard that happens in, in Amish in the Amish communities. 
I just heard that recently. I saw it on, on a YouTube thing. But this was a common practice, like just taking out all the teeth. We got to look into that. We maybe when the show notes, we'll put something. But I literally just heard this a few days ago on something non-related to researching this, but on occasion in Amish communities to prevent like preventative, like a prophylactic of sorts, just like remove, remove the teeth to prevent any type of more problematic or. Yeah, because it's going to be more expensive if you have all dental work done or whatever. Yeah, but you know, like a healthy body is immune against tooth decay and immune against all these things, as Weston Bryce showed so clearly. But obviously, our bodies are like in this current situation, it's quite clear that the general population isn't as healthy as they should be. And you can see that on their teeth, like, because the idea should be in the future, the mindset, at least for biological dentists that I teach, is to not need to drill at all, like keep all your healthy teeth until you're like 120. I'd love to kind of come into like a tangible place of how can people that are listening to this drive in or taking a walk or something, how can they start to develop a deeper relationship with their own mouths and their teeth and their tongues and the microflora and their, you know, I don't know, their breath and, you know, what, what, what's, what can people be looking for with themselves, with their partners, with their family, with their kids? And, you know, first, I guess, a starting point of that, what are indications that we can be looking for? And then from there is what are some at home things that we can do to start to come back into balance? First of all, you should know what has been done like how is your mouth presenting right now do you have perfect healthy teeth and have never been to see a doctor dentist for any drilling or removing of teeth like you for example for you it's more like okay how can i prevent um, cavities how can i prevent going to the dentist at all how can i have the perfect oral microbiome perfect gum because you know gum is really important gum is outside skin is outside body like your skin or like your uh, intestines it's it should be it's a protection barrier but if you have bleeding gums or like cut it open it's kind of like leaky gut already in your mouth i call it leaky gum so it's really important that you also have your gum needs to be clean and not bleeding all the time. So floss. I'm not a big fan. So I, I'm just assuming that you have perfect teeth and you never have been done. There's no dental work done, right? You have all your wisdom teeth. We just assume it. I had, I had orthodontic work. I had braces and I had an upper palate expander. That's it. No fillings. No fillings. I still have a very high palate. You can see it on your face. You're quite, your face is quite long and square. It's not as wide, yeah. and you tall guys, it's normal. I have a wide, pal a high palate too. It's a bit of a degenerative thing, but not too bad. So you have perfect healthy teeth. I don't recommend flossing for perfect healthy teeth. Why? Really? Like in nature, why would you do? Where's the floss on the on the tree? Would you use a grass or whatever? Maybe if something gets stuck in your teeth and you need to get it out, yes, then you maybe need a floss or you need a toothpick or whatever. But on like for prevention of tooth decay for a healthy microbiome and healthy teeth it makes no sense for most people because it's also quite diligent uh, to use it you have to be really skilled mostly if you use it you just like basically pull it through and most of the time you will bleed a little bit afterwards right yeah and what i see if you open up like every day having a little micro cut in your in your arm you would never do this because you know okay bacteria will go in there right but you open up your gum tissue which has a huge microbiome in your mouth every day, just a little bit because of bleeding, because you want to clean in between your teeth, which if you're all healthy and have a good lifestyle, makes no sense. Yeah, because you don't prevent tooth decay by flossing. You prevent tooth decay by your lifestyle and nutrition. That's it. You would, I don't even need to, to brush my teeth with my current 
form of diet or nutrition. And right. either had somebody who that Western Price was um, seeing back 100 years ago. There was no toothbrushes. So, but if you had like tons of dental work done, you had fillings, amalgam fillings, you have root, root canals, you have crown work, you have implants, it's totally changing. Then you probably need to floss. So it's really different. It's really in between. But for prevention, your nutrition and your micronutrients are key to get. What dentists say is you should use the floss to get rid of the biofilm. And because there's bacteria in there, they will eat your food and then destroy your enamel, like make it simple. You, they eat sugar and then there will be acidity and then there is a hole in your, in your tooth. It's not that simple. It, it's a nice story that we learn when we were kids, but it's not quite correct. And what happens is if your saliva or if really, if your nutrition is off, you have tons of sugar spikes, insulin, and your whole pH level in your mouth will change all the time. And obviously it gets probably more acidic. Also, you have tons of nutritional deficiencies and mainly minerals, all these things. And then what the body does, if it has a deficiency, mineral deficiency, basically, it takes it from your teeth and from your bone. It's kind of like the osteoporosis of your teeth. If you get this initial tooth decay, which we call white spot lesion as a dentist. This is something that you can see on a tiny x-ray. Sometimes dentists will do this once a year just to see if there's something to drill. It's a decay still in the enamel, in the, in the hard part of your tooth. Then it's to be decided, are we going to monitor this or are we going to drill it already? A biological dentist would never drill it. They would say, okay, here's been some kind of deficiency. Maybe let's see how you eat. Maybe you have too much of carbohydrates a day. Maybe you're missing key proteins and minerals, whatever. Let's just do this. And then we will see in, in years time, did it even go back or did it stay the same? We would never drill because as soon as you drill, you have a bigger hole. And then we call it the dental career starts. That's really interesting. Is all breath created equal? Is bad? Is there ever bad breath? It's just like, oh, they just got shitty breath, you know, or is it if you have bad breath, is that always an indication that there's something up at a deeper level? Not just at the deeper level. So bad breath for somebody like you, you had no previous dental work done. It's probably related to some sort of dysbiosis. Maybe you ate too much in the day the day before. Maybe you couldn't fully digest it because your digestion stopped in the middle of the night. And then you maybe have a bit of a weird breath. If it's not ongoing. If it's ongoing, I would look into some sort of microbiome issues, maybe dysbiosis. But if you had dental work done, if you had previous amalgams, root canals, periodontitis, gum disease, then it really smells like ass sometimes and really, really bad. It goes so bad, it smells kind of like the, probably if you go to the sewer in a bigger city. And this is really indicative for obviously a dysbiotic microbiome, of, because of toxins, there's tons of inflammation going on in the, at the gum level, even at the bone level. Periodontitis is if the gingivitis or the, the inflammation, the chronic inflammation on your gum, if it's bleeding all the time, it gets further and further inside of the, in the bone, then it's called periodontitis, meaning a chronic inflammation of the apparatus that holds your teeth, which is the bone. And this is really, really smelling bad. Imagine a wound that never heals, really smells bad, right? Yeah. But it's in your mouth and nobody looks there and your mouth is actually not part of your body. At least that's how most dentists look at it uh, or that's how we are trained. I don't want to criticize my dental colleagues, not at all, but I think we need to go to the next level here and teach immunology, toxicology and all these various things to connect the mouth to the whole body, which we don't in university. 
Yeah. And so I, I'd imagine the breath conversation, assuming a person hasn't gone through a bunch of previous work, they're like basically healthy mouths. I'd imagine it's likely a similar diet and maybe lifestyle approach in general outside of just the food that you're putting into your face. I'd imagine that the person that needs to floss versus doesn't need to floss that same diet that would be producing, you know, non-odorous, pleasant breath. I'd imagine that'd be the same, same diet. It, de it depends. So you know that in our, in the field of health optimization or like let's say in the health space, there are various mindset when it comes to nutrition and with mindset, I mean stuff like keto, stuff like paleo, stuff like high carb, low carb, whatever. There's so many names. You can even go be a pegan, keto, or, you know, if you go too long on a ketogenic diet, your breath will change and you smell really bad because of the ketosis. You smell like, I think it smells like women used to get rid of their nail polish and that smells really bad. So it is commonly keto, a keto diet is commonly referred to as being healthy, at least in our sector. I don't. I don't think it is for long term. I think it's a good tool to have in your toolbox. I use it not too heavily. I did it a long time. Personally, I tried everything, but I wouldn't say it's a sustainable form of nutrition. But then you will have a bad breath. But I think what you were referring to was if you have a general healthy diet and you eat whole foods and you, you know how to use the right nutrients, you eat organic and local and you know good meats and stuff you probably don't need to floss and you probably don't need to clean your teeth and you probably will smell good and your teeth will feel like they clean all the time whereas when you drink a coke within a minute you have this fur on your teeth and you can really feel the biofilm going on to on the tooth and you know bacteria will go there so if you eat tons of tacos a day or also go to fast food places and like i ate when i was a kid then it's different then you're probably prone to having bad smell and you will like ferment foods in your mouth already and softer foods will stick heavier to your teeth than harder foods. If you eat a steak and some asparagus or maybe steak and whatever comes to mind or some any sort of vegetable, you probably won't have to clean. What are some of the key vitamin mineral deficiencies Western culture typically presents that causes orthodontic issues? First of all, it's a general lack of amino acids. Protein is the most common deficiency for everybody, especially obviously for vegan folks out there that don't know how to get their nutrients from plants and that it's a bit more difficult. That's the first one, always protein and basically essential amino acids that your body tries to get through digestion from animal or plant-based proteins. Then second is obviously it's a hormone. It's called vitamin D3. You produce it in the sunlight. In Texas, it's probably easier to get to sun, whereas where I live in Germany, we at least have to supplement for six months out of the year. Otherwise, it's too dark. So vitamin D3, magnesium, zinc, and, and proteins, omega-3 fatty acids. The basics is what's missing. AD, like the fat-soluble vitamins, will, will miss. And then if you eat more plant-based, you, you basically lose have even more deficiencies, vitamin B12 is crucial, creatine, choline, carnosine, taurine, all the things that you are missing out when you don't eat animal foods, but you can supplement this if you know that you need it. And you can actually remineralize teeth. How does that process work exactly? It's two different routes. First of all, all your teeth are connected to your whole blood supply. That means 
inside of the tooth is something is a chamber it's called the pulp chamber it's where also your nerve is and your immune system and obviously within a minute the whole blood will also touch your teeth if you have deficiencies in your blood because your food is lacking then you you can get nutrients for your teeth then teeth can start hurting but obviously that's a route where minerals and proteins and peptides and whatever go into your teeth from the inside but also the saliva is a direct reflection of your nutrition and of your lifestyle and mindset because your microbiome changes within three days in your mouth. So a breastfed baby has a totally different microbiome than a ketogenic person, for example. And the saliva obviously has more protein and peptides in it if you eat more proteins and peptides. It will also be less fluid if you have too much insulin going on and too much blood sugar dysregulations or management problems. For example, diabetes person, a lot of times people on type 2 diabetes have a dry mouth because it's totally related to insulin resistance. And dry mouth is really bad for your digestion, but also really bad for the teeth because then they get brittle because teeth will be remineralized after every meal, basically from that miracle liquid called saliva. And if the saliva is not there or if it's depleted because your nutrition is depleted in your lifestyle, it doesn't work as well. I want to take a moment and share one of my favorite snacks, and that is hemp seeds, specifically from Eaton Hemp. Uh, Eaton Hemp's hemp seeds are fantastic because they are organic, for one thing. They're delicious, and I utilize them in uh, smoothies, salads, all over the place. What's great about hemp seeds is they are a complete protein, which is rare among the, the plant world. They contain all sorts of micronutrients, such as zinc and iron, and they taste delicious. I especially enjoy using them to add crunch to my smoothies. Why does that matter? Adding crunch to your smoothie. When you're drinking a smoothie, you want to be chewing the smoothie. Same thing with most things. When you're drinking water or any kind of fluid, uh, it's good to kind of swish it around and kind of take your time with it. But when we are making a smoothie, we're blending up all that fruit and snuff into a blender, and that is bypassing one of the primary systems of digestion, which is mastication. Chew when you are chewing, you're releasing various amylases, enzymes that break down carbohydrates, and uh, you are just smoking through that, that system. You're bypassing that part, so your food becomes less bioavailable. So throwing some hemp seeds is something that I've been doing for a while, or throwing crunchy things in general. Hemp seeds is one of my favorite things to throw in, and uh, I highly recommend y'all doing the same. They got various different flavors. They're great. I really dig them. You can get yourself 20% off by going to eatonhemp.com slash align. That's E-A-T-O-M-H-E-M-P.com slash align. And you'll get 20% off of your purchase. If you do not absolutely love this stuff, it doesn't make you feel good. Doesn't, it's not delicious. doesn't improve your life. Then they have a 30 day money back guarantee. So go over to eatonhemp.com slash align, E-A-T-O-N-H-E-M-P.com slash align. Get yourself 20% off. I know that you guys will enjoy this stuff. And if you don't, get your money back. I also want to take a moment to thank BioOptimizers for supporting this podcast. I wonder, do y'all like free stuff? Well, you're in luck. 
because Bioptimizer's Black Friday deal starts now. And not only are they giving you a huge discount all month long, they are also giving away over $200 worth in free gifts. 200 bucks in free gifts, pretty rad. This is their best sale of the entire year, so now is the perfect time to stack up on some of their best-selling magnesium breakthrough. The only organic, full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief and better sleep all in one bottle. Most magnesium supplements fail because they are synthetic and not full spectrum. When you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from brain health to your sleep, pain, inflammation, and less stress. If y'all would like to get some mag breakthrough or any of their other stuff, you can go over to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com slash align podcast. Per mentioned, this is their, their absolute biggest sale that they have done all year and it's pretty sweet so you have a chance to win $200 in free gifts with select purchases and 10% off of your purchase of mag breakthrough i really dig bioptimizers it's one of my favorite companies i trust where the the sourcing of all of the supplements i know the owner personally and i really dig the stuff so jump over to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast for 10 percent off of your purchase of mag breakthrough it's one of my favorite supplements i truly mean that and uh, also a chance to win 200 dollars of free gifts from bio optimizers all right that's it back to the show there's several other books that I found to be interesting. One, one is you're probably familiar with Jaws has a, become a popular one. Shut Your Mouth, Save Your Life, I think is another. It's like George Catlin, I think is his name. That was written like a couple hundred years ago. And he originally he was like a lawyer, had some kind of like normal job like that. And he was also an artist and then ended up going and doing paintings and and also just generally researching uh, Native American culture. So kind of like leaving the colonials and going and spending time with Native Americans and, you know, just seeing the, the really impressive juxtaposition between the the dental health of his culture like the right culture the correct the, you know the righteous culture and then going into these like you know these savages and seeing they were from at least like a like a musculoskeletal dental orthodontic perspective and a part of the the conversations there with Weston A. Price as well was not just the vitamins and minerals and you know the, the nutritional content but also having to chew you know and having to actually you know so when you're in this like baby food like adults are eating baby food you know and babies are eating baby food you know i don't know what's, at what point maybe babies need baby food i'm not sure it'd be interesting i'd be curious your perspective on what a baby should be eating to develop proper jaw and, and orthodontic health but that's so so is it it's not just the nutrients but it's also you know the textures and actually the, the process of chewing you tre treating your mouth like a and your jaw like a muscle which it is yes Super interesting and super good question. So if we start with the babies here, baby's best is breast. Because when the baby, I just say, sucks on the nipple, I don't know if you say that, yeah. Yeah, that's right. The jaw, the lower jaw grows forward. And the best strategy, if the mom is able to do so, is to breastfeed the baby for at least 18 months, 1.5 years, because of this jaw movement, but also, so you need 10 times more strength um, with these muscles to pull that, uh, to pull that jaw forward uh, in comparison to sucking on a baby bottle. So that's a lot of basically orthodontic work already. But also, and if you have kids, you will know, if they have clogged noses and then they try to suck on the nipple, they're like, 
almost dying. So what they normally train if they're on the nipple, they train nose breathing all the time. They can't breathe without their noses. So already 1.5 years, perfect palatal shapes. So the nose breathing will develop a wider jaw. Whereas when you get allergic and have all these inflammation in your mouth later on with standard American diet, then you probably have cock noses and start mouth breathing. So like I did as a kid. And then obviously everything changes from there. And as an adult, obviously, if you eat soft foods all the time, all these muscle and degenerate. Okay, obviously, you cannot really chew your smoothie, but you should start eating harder foods. From an amylase perspective, you can put crunchy stuff in there. So put some cacao nibs or walnuts or mac nuts or whatever you do at the end and give it a little, you know, and then you're, and you'll chew each one. Really, the physical part of chewing trains the whole skeletal system. And also, what's really important when we come to the jaw, the jaw and its alignment, if it's perfect, then this is kind of like the thermostate for your whole body posture. Upper and lower jaw, they have this occlusal plane, which is totally, it's kind of like parallel to where your eyes should, eye level should be. There is this labyrinth right or the writing reflex that all mammals look to the horizon. And if they have their like a relaxed posture, the jaw is also aligned. But if that misaligns due to dental work or to poor um, crowded teeth, everything needs to be aligned in terms of these tiny neck muscles. So your body just adjusts so that your eyes still be parallel to the horizon, to this reflex. And this makes then problems with like get a hunchback if you have problems there. I can sing songs because of this, because my upper and lower jaw don't fit. And it's also not just a problem with the posture here. It's also, there's a joint called, it's called temporomandibular joint. And it's just a tiny joint, which is the joint that opens your um, lower jaw. But this joint is really much important because 50% of all nerves and blood vessels travel through that joint in your brain and outside of your brain. And if you get tight because of clenching teeth or poor alignment or also various other stressors in your mouth, you cramp up here. This one gets tight, which is a sympathetic stressor, but also leads to less blood supply in your brain, which further on leads to less neurotransmitters, depletion of acetylcholine. There's even a study showing if you just have a loss of bite height for one millimeter, for that's normal for, let's say, people that had dental work done, 50% less blood supply in your brain and a less drainage of your brain. And then you can imagine how it all clocks up and then you get this hunchback and everything gets tied up. You get frozen shoulder stuff and it's all just related to a stressor in your mouth. So it's really, really important to get the, the bite as one of the oral interference field problems. You probably know that. But. Can you elaborate a little bit more specifically how the mechanics of the bite, whether you have an overbite or an underbite or it is balanced, how that trickles into spinal function. So it's so it's associated to the to the writing reflex. Our our eyes always want to stay horizontal with the with the horizon. Yes. But how does how does this draw forward backward you know, or, or, or perhaps like a malocclusion or like, like a lack of spaciousness in the upper palate, you know, and that kind of like, what does it call when the upper palate goes in? It's called like a bell palate or something. Yeah. That's what I had. It was terrible. Oh my God. I had like the key thing every time I could feel my jaw cracking as I was doing it. It was, it was really impressive. But can you just, can you just elaborate a little bit more on that connection between how this mouth actually potentially trickles into something like a scoliosis or some type of imbalance in that. I know you just said it. For my personal experience, personally, but also with thousands of patients, is number one is just the malocclusion. Like, can you bite evenly if you bite? Like, 
do you have a stable bite left and right? For me personally, I have only one hitting spot on the right side. Left side is like kind of loose. So I think if you have an alignment, if your teeth are crowded or you have a forward bite or backward, like a protrusion or retrusion, I think that's second. It doesn't really matter as long as this is stable first. Stable first is the most important and the right height because this is basically telling your atlas and axis, that's your first two vertebrae, um, that they need to be like aligned at the back. I think the forward occlusion, like when your lower jaw is too big for your upper jaw or your mid-face didn't grow enough, there's different versions. Um, it's called a, yeah, let's say just protrusion of your lower jaw. If you see that from the side, if you would look at people that have this in the overall spine position, um, how can I, it feels like or it looks like the whole body is trying to compensate in, in terms of pulling the whole body backwards. Like they will have maybe a bit of an overarch in their lower spine and they're not loose. They, they cannot have their arms loose. It's more like all pulled back to compensate for this forward thing. Can you imagine what I mean? Whereas the opposite happens for people that have this, the lower jaw too far in the back, a posterior lower jaw. Then obviously the back changes. It's more like an, wait, let me translate it. It's probably then more posterior pelvic tilt and more forward rounded. Yeah. But there's different sorts. For example, I have a, my lower jaw seems to be more forward. But if you look at it really, it's not my lower jaw the problem. My upper jaw isn't really grown because I had a lack of nutrients like you had, had this L-shaped palate and basically I'm missing mid-face. So this is something you need to um, consider. Whatever it is, it's really important that the occlusion is stable and balanced and there's no like height loss because the height loss is probably yeah the most important because it will then translate to having less blood supply to your brain and being more cramped up in this temporomandibular joint and all the the lining muscle here like you will clench more you will grind more masseter will be hypertrophic or hypotonic and all these muscle in your jaw like below your jaw the inside there's something called the patelgoideus muscle they get super tense and this is a stressor in itself because these nerves can't come out anymore. And then you cramp up, you can't uh, really lose the toxins from your brain, your lymphatic system doesn't work very well, you get tight upper back, you maybe even get uh, shoulder arm syndrome, you cannot contract your biceps or your arms pretty well. Why? Because the plexus where all the nerves come out for your arms is here and it's all tied up because of problems in your mouth. And it's not just the bite. Basically, everything that's been done, like it's an inflammation, like we said at the beginning from the cavitations or around the tip of a root canal or just heavy metals in there, all this can lead to various postural problems and overall issues. Also, obviously connected to the, the vagal nerve if that's always stressed. I have patients because of this inflammation in their jawbone, haven't had any vagal tone for 30 years. We call it toxic vagus syndrome. It's just because of the stuff in the mouth. It shuts down totally. And imagine if your vagal nerve doesn't work anymore. You're always sympathetic. Your organs won't work. Your digestion won't work. Nothing works, basically. You feel like really bad. I have two questions I'm really excited about, but they're both completely different. So I'm going to have to remember to ask them both. The, the one is your thoughts on mewing. I don't know if you're familiar with John. I think his name's John Mew. It's the thing where you put your tongue through the roof of your mouth and he has some exercises and you like forcefully press your tongue up to the roof of your mouth to create space in your upper upper palate and also also reintegrate the tongue. So his perspective is a majority of postural issues are, are he would probably argue, are, are rooted, but at least in integrated with 
tongue posture and the tonicity of the muscles in around the, the tongue and the throat. Do you have any thoughts on tongue positioning and posture and exercises and the ability for the tongue to perhaps act as somewhat of like a retainer for the jaw? And then perhaps, okay, it's, an, it's a retainer. Can you actually start to change the structure of the face? Because there's pretty impressive photos that I've seen from people going through the, the technique. Funny enough, a patient just gave me this. It's called a face former. I think that's... Oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen different versions of it. I haven't tried this one yet, but obviously I had to, because of my bell-shaped palate and tons of orthodontics, I had to go to a logopedic person back then, and they will train you all these things. For example, where your tongue should be. Because because I was a mouth breather, because of allergies and everything, my tongue was in the lower jaw. And therefore, my palate even collapsed more. So what I had to train before we widened my palate was to have my tongue where it's supposed to be. And it's supposed to be on these little wrinkles behind your front incisors. Everybody can feel that if you touch your upper incisors inside the gum. There are these wrinkles. Mm. Yeah? And that's where your tongue should be. And this is then... Um, basically holding the structure there and everything yeah obviously yeah. you can train um, i haven't trained i haven't done the face formers yet but i'm a big fan of osteopathy i'm a big fan of all these muscle techniques and um, to align everything i don't know if i would say it's all related to just tongue things but that's what everybody says if you go see an ao chiropractor they'll say everything's related to the ao if you go see a, maybe a biological dentist they'll say everything relates to the teeth if you go see a rolfer they'll say everything relates to fascia you know we have our our tunnel vision windows on things so that's why it's like from that lens it's like wow because that's what i see and that's like i see it everywhere but ultimately i think it's all just integrated if you really draw back enough if you meet enough people that are specialized in enough things you start to be like oh okay i think you're all kind of you're all pretty much right and also kind of missing it yeah totally true and i think i've been the same becoming dogmatic if you learn something and then you see it everywhere that's just normal and part of the process but i think at one point if you like learn so much and do it for such a long time you start integrating everything and understanding how it all connects and for me it's more f fascinating obviously we have to do the 80 20 and get the shit out of the bodies and of the mouth of the patients and using everything that i've learned so far in terms of um being it the tongue posture to using myofacial release techniques or myoreflex techniques, like everything I've learned and I'll, I'll integrate. But what I learned basically in functional medicine and I'm also a naturopathic doctor is the timing of these various tools. For me, these are just tools in the toolbox. I get one patient and that's one art piece that I want to become, that I want to help. This patient needs to become optimal healthy. At least that's the challenge. So I will use everything I can to help him. But a missing part, a big missing part is, like you also said, is that you don't look in your mouth as part of your body and obviously not in medical world and dental world as much as you should. So yeah, well, it's such an obvious, it's such an obvious window. It's like, it's like when you're driving a car and you can see the speedometer and the, you know, the oil light and the gas. And it's like, you have these readings of what's happening in the engine. You don't need to go get a surgery and open up the engine and get in the carburetor. It's like, no, we're like overheating. Like there's a signal right here. It's just a matter of realizing that you have a display and then having a, a basic understanding of how to read it. Yes. And I, but I think it's still one of my, it's something I need to do. And that's why I have all these podcasts. Why? Because in medical school, we study dentistry as with, with all the medical doctors. But with the medical doctors, the dentist is just, oh, you're just these dentist guys. They just take care of the teeth. 
they are not really doctors. It's like in hangover movies. Oh, he's just a dentist. He doesn't really know about medical. And the opposite is also true because a medical doctor almost never looks into your mouth. And they obviously don't do a panoramic x-ray and see inside of your bone what's really happening there. And that's what I teach and what I try to bring to all the, let's say, leaders in the field of health, um, that it's finally part of the first initial exam, whether you're a health coach, you're an osteopath, you're an, a trainer or a dentist or a medical doctor, you should always have an assessment of the oral health at day one. Because I've seen patients that have been to 29 clinics and nobody can help them and they did everything they could and they even went to see a shaman. But at the end, they missed the root canal tooth. And I'm not saying that everything is in your mouth, but you should at least look for the obvious things and get rid of them before you then do the crazier things. And you can't imagine. Did you see the movie Root Cause? No, I'll check it out. I'll put it down now. It's gone to the list. Root Cause. It was on Netflix two years ago, but a lot of endodontologists, that's my colleagues, the dentists that only do root canals, petitioned to have it removed. And it's basically a documentary about this guy, Frazier, who did everything he can for the last 10 years to become superhuman, but instead he got sicker and sicker and sicker. And at one point, he went to see an innovative, the Innovative Medicine Clinic in New York, and they found just an oral problem, an oral interference is what we say referred him to a biological dentist, they found a root canal, and from there on his health started going back on. And this is what I see on a daily basis. Chronic patients, high-level performers, athletes, so like top-level athletes, if they have a good team, they know about oral interference. But chronic disease or chronic sick patients or top-level performers need a 10 out of 10 when it comes to treatment, and they have to have their oral health fixed, and not just in, in terms of, I can bite on my teeth, really look into what's in your teeth. What materials, metals, root canals, cavitations, that's really, really critical to get you to the next level. The other question that I was excited about is when someone gets on, say, testosterone replacement, they will start to notice a change in their jaw structure. What's going on there that we can see? And even so, so if testosterone levels are high, we can see like there's going to be an association with a more like chiseled, strong jaw structure. If hormones are kind of a little wonky, then they'll start to have like that receding type. Their their chin and jaw just kind of blends in with their neck. Is that, what the hell's going on there? Do you have any idea what that is? Like, if, if, I don't think it's testosterone replacement therapy. I think it's more if they use growth hormone. Growth hormone. Okay. Whatever whatever the heck it is. What is it? Like it's, it's, a, it's a magical connection. There's a disease called acromegaly. This is when people get super big and super tall. I mean, and they always have these massive jaws, huge fingers and everything. They have a tumor in their pituitary producing much, too much growth hormone. That's why they never stop growing. And they have this, these jaws that grow. So I can just imagine if you talk about bodybuilders and people that have like something is weird is happening that should it's probably the growth hormone so when women go say like a trans woman becomes a, a a man and she gets on whatever the whatever the cocktail of hormones and stuff that they're taking you can see a a a, a very apparent change in their facial structure yeah that's true uh, i was just thinking about men sorry i didn't think about women that take testosterone but that's existing yes obviously and um, they virilize and that's the end and that's not i don't think it's about too much from the testosterone it's more the androgenic part of various probably other substances they abuse stuff like whatever i don't know, i don't even know what they're taking maybe mm, trenbolone or something like that this is um, super androgenic stuff well obviously the if you go through puberty 
you get a bigger jaw, you get more squared, you get more manly. And this is also what happens to female that misuse male hormones or androgens. I don't think that testosterone would do it themselves, but I'm not a profi or an expert in this, but I can see that androgens will do that. And then also everything else, like probably their female parts will also change and not just the face structure. It's just because of the receptors. You change your genetics epigenetically by using chemicals. And is that a, it's okay if you don't have the answer to this, but is it a specific bone growth thing or is it a change in the jaw structure? Is it perhaps a change in like the global structure of the body, which catalyzes a shift in the jaw structure? Is like that, is the actual jaw getting bigger? Is there, is there, and it's okay if you just don't know. I'm, I'm that's, you know, that's fine too. Never looked in this, but I'm still thinking about how this, obviously you have a higher protein synthesis. Yeah, you really get more maleish. So probably the bones, really the bone structure changes probably due to more activation of the right receptors, other enzymes and better repair or build up. It's also used to change um, genders. They, they will also use chemicals for this. So yes, everything changes then. I think you start kind of like if you're a little kid, you have more growth hormone, you have more peptides, you have more of everything and you're starting to rebuild and reshape. And the total chemical background I have to pass, but that makes total sense. You just get more maleish. Probably if you get, have too much estrogen or you, in, you would inject estrogen, you probably get more female-ish. I don't know if it's possible that your jaw will shrink because I think estrogen is really much important for your, for your bone structure overall. There's even perceptible changes in the facial structure of women as they're going through their cycles each month. So when they're so that's, that's like a subtle cue if a woman's ovulating, there's that facial structure changes and subconsciously, you know, men slash anybody, women, you know, we're all tracking it with each other. It's like, okay, like impregnate that person, <laughs> essentially, like the deeper mammalian biological cues like that one. You can see this, and this is a change of, uh, it's more a change of the tissue. So I have a good um, story for this. And a patient, she couldn't get pregnant and she was already in like thinking about doing the in vitro and all that stuff. And, but I had a look in her mouth and said, okay, here's uh, cavitations and this root canal treated tooth. This tooth is on the meridian, at least for your female parts. Why not just have that removed and see what's happening? And I just, what I always did, I removed the root canals, cleaned everything perfectly and then placed the ceramic implant, put her obviously on the right nutrition and the nutrients to really support the health. And after six or let's say after three months, I had her for a check-in. It's a long time ago. It's probably seven, eight years. And she looked totally different. And I was like, okay, you're already pregnant. I can see that. And she's like, nah. But then she called me like a week later and said, oh yeah, you were right. I was pregnant because I could see it in her lips because of the, the lips changing in that one month. Upper lip, if you know, if it looks like they had a hyaluronic filler in there, but they haven't, it's more like pointing like upwards, like a lot of females do, you will see that she's ovulating or getting pregnant because she has other hormones. And sometimes they get more flat because the estrogen goes away when they have their period. They really don't look so good and don't feel so good, probably because they shouldn't be impregnated then. So the nature is really, really fascinating if you start observing these things. And I love to do that with patients. Yeah, it's so cool. I would love to keep talking to you for a, a while, but we got we to wrap this up. But so uh, last little just idea, thought, it's just so interesting how intelligent humans are, you know, and, and if we get out of the idea that, 
we don't know, you know, we're all, we, we, we've kind of like outsourced our minds into books and into doctors and into stories and into, you know, other, other narratives outside of our, our own intuition. But I, I think in fact, we can perceive so much information from someone. It's kind of, it kind of comes into like the whole, you know, what's going on in the world right now with all the, the lockdowns and stuff like we, and this isn't, I don't have any, I'm not sharing my opinion on, you know, what the heck's going on or vaccines or whatever, but you can tell when people are sick, you know, we have that indic we have all this, this various, you know, this plethora of information that gathers is like, oh, that there's something up with that person, you know, and it's the same list. And it's, we can tell when we're sick. And when we are sick, it's like, I, I think I'm going to stay. I'm not, I'm, I don't feel like going out. I don't, I don't feel good right now. You know, we have all this onboard information that kind of, that's inherently what's driving society. And then we have this, the story that we're kind of running the show with technology and this and that, but it's an interesting thing to see how, you know, the mouth is yet another one of those subconscious bounties of information where it's like if someone has bad breath you're like i'm not into that person it was disgusting they were great loved their car loved you know great personality bad breath over you know and it's it's like we're always gathering this information but we kind of you know we we distract ourselves with with other purple herrings i think the mouth seems to be extremely important imagine you see somebody and then she looks awesome and what do you say like and then she smiles at you and there's one tooth missing it's like oh done yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, oh shit, something is off with her or with him because he's rotten from the inside. We know that the problem is because of the general population being not so healthy and not so natural anymore, the instinct goes away or the intuition. So that's the goal for all patients or everybody is basically to get yourself like nature has intended, become a little kid again on every level. That means if you had oral work done, obviously remove the crap because the resource needs to be removed. But and also as a practitioner, you need to be more healthy or as least as healthy as possible to help your patients with energy and also see their problems. Because if I had root canals, I probably don't think it's a problem for you because I haven't experienced it. Same with nutrition. If I haven't done 20 years of nutrition, I probably wouldn't know how to find you new nutrients or smell you or whatever. But I think if we like kids again, like in terms of our whole health, get back to where we were, and then live the right lifestyle, then we're way more connected to the matrix than you think. Whereas when you're like full of heavy metals, you're probably not connected. And you can see this on autistic kids. Autistic kids are kind of like off the matrix and they're always full of toxins and heavy metals and things. And that's why it's so important to get your environment, not just the oral one, but the whole body environment clean, as healthy as possible. And then obviously in this, I wouldn't change anything and I didn't want to live 200 years ago. But just from an environmental point of view, it's super toxic right now, but our bodies are able to adapt. And if you use nature again to live with this unnatural environment, I'd still prefer to live now because I love to have a phone, but obviously I know how to put it in airplane mode. Obviously I'm not living in Wi-Fi. So use it. now it's more important to, to learn all these ancient strategies that we have to run out barefoot and whatever, because of our environment being so unnatural and our inhabitants. If we get that, then I think it's the best time to live in because we have the internet. We can now, look at this. We can just chat here. You, you're in Austin, Texas. I'm somewhere in Germany. And normally I would have never met you or just needed to fly. So not everything's bad. It's more like, okay, how can we use the stuff smart and connect with our nature while still using techniques 
and become the cyborgs or whatever, but still yeah. be as healthy as possible and as natural. Love it, man. God dang. I just want to infuse this into people's minds. That there's, I was reading about magnetite being in the ethmoid bone, which is just superior up above the, the, the upper palate and is perhaps connected to or responsible for or associated to our ability to have like an internal compass yes and so in thinking of like other other potential downstream upstream whatever connections issues that could come of, of malocclusion or issues within the mouth i i wonder i don't have any data on this but i wonder if perhaps even something like our sense of where the hell we are in the world could be impacted by that so i just want to throw that into the into the ether that yeah obviously it could happen at least if, if something is off and everything is misaligned then your eyes are not straight and one is more yeah. the inside the other was and then you know the whole posture will change your left right. arm will be bigger than your right arm and you always feel inside twisted obviously it's all connected so people should go see a biological dentist um start off you know i think i think your book is i really enjoyed your book it's all in your mouth but if someone had obviously mercury is a big thing if you look up at images of people that have mercury in their mouths you can see this gaseous release like like all around their their face it's like really impressive to look at so and maybe you know i don't know i don't maybe maybe that's turns you into a superhuman or something like that but you can see it off gassing and it's very impressive and obviously i, I doubt it turns you into a superhero but who who should be seeking out a biological dentist for an opinion of what's going on in their mouth and their life in my opinion, everybody should go see a biological dentist. And I think every dentist should become a biological dentist because this is the evolution of dentistry and the next level. And it's not contrary to conventional dentistry. It's just basically filling out knowledge gaps and maybe a few yeah. more techniques because everything needs to grow and evolution is growing. So we cannot stand still. So this is, if you want to really have some an opinion that goes beyond just drill, fill and build, and what the general dentist is known for, unfortunately, then always see a biological dentist. We train biological dentists to become specialists, and but but this is really a tough curriculum, and there's only 40 uh, worldwide right now, and I think only one in the U.S. Uh, no, two in the U.S. Oh, okay. So maybe not realistic for a lot of people. Is holistic dentistry the same as biologic dentistry? Is it totally different? Biological dentistry, there's... This is not, you cannot, I don't know the word, you cannot secure this word. Oh, it's like a trademark thing. No, no, you can't. So basically everybody could call themselves a biological dentist. That's a bit of a problem because they are holistic or biological dentists that will tell you that they do a holistic or biological, den or biological root canal treatment. And oh, the way okay, I okay. describe biological dentistry, maybe you could say it's biological dentistry 2.0 and it is the overlap of high-tech dentistry or let's say high-tech conventional dentistry, functional medicine and health optimization. And the goal is optimal health. And this is really special curriculum and there are not too many yet, but still finding a biological or holistic dentist is probably way better than just going to anybody who is just trained from university and still does the silver mercury fillings, the amalgam fillings. So you're always better off. In the U.S. there are two. You could check out the IAOMT, the IABDM. That's, our, that's organizations that at least train dentists to become smart, certified smart means they know at least how to remove a mercury filling safely because don't go to any dentist and just fill out mercury fillings, the silver black amalgam fillings. Then this will be way, way worse. You need to find a skilled dentist to remove that. And if you have a look into your mouth later on and there is a black filling in there, it's probably mercury. So never just drill it out. Go find somebody who is certified to remove it safely. 
because there's 50% of mercury in there and this is really highly toxic, most toxic non-radioactive element known to men. You shouldn't mess around with it. Then better leave it in your mouth until you find the strategy to remove it without further hazard. So that's really, really important. They're not using mercury fillings anymore, right? Of course they do. I thought this was like common knowledge. No, 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 no. It is in a few countries like Russia banned it for 30 years. Scandinavian countries banned it for the last 12 years. They did it smart because they just banned mercury in the environment in their countries. So they cannot put it in the mouth of patients. But mercury, it's not possible nowadays to be mercury free overall. It's just not possible because the environment has mercury in it. It's loaded. But the main source for mercury intoxication is still the amalgam or silver filling. So you're chronically intoxicating yourself 2 to 3 micron per day of mercury vapor. And that's why you should never do any chelation protocols before you even got rid of the source. That's stupid. It can have bad havoc for your overall system. Always remove the source first, but do it safely and find a skilled practitioner. Go see this. You can probably find everything through my Instagram and Dr. Dom. There's a tab bio in there. In the link in the bio is a tab bio. And if you swipe through this, you find tons of resources. You find tons of podcasts, all the articles, the book, the YouTube, every, whatever you need. And you can also DM me and I'll refer if possible. Well, I appreciate getting to connect to you out there in Alemania, Germany. That's right. What a, what, a, what a cool thing. So it's all in your mouth. That's the book. Your Instagram. Your What is your Instagram handle? It's Dr. Dome Eins, as a D-R-D-O-M-E and the number one. Right. And you share a bunch of digestible information on there as well. And then you have a YouTube channel and all that stuff. So people can go back through that, probably Instagram and the book and, you know, all that would probably be a fine, fine place to go if they want to learn more information. All right. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you, Dr. Dom, for educating our minds. And uh, that's it. That's all. Over now. Hope you all enjoyed that conversation. Before we go, I just want to thank you guys for leaving reviews on wherever the heck you listen to this. This comes from Liss Merch. I'm not exactly sure how to say that. L-O-Y-S-S Merch. And they say five stars. Aaron, thank you for your curious open mind. This is the podcast I always jump back into when it's time for me to level up. You nail a delivery every time. Cheers to staying curious. Alien sign, peace sign or emoji, whatever you call it. I so greatly appreciate you guys leaving reviews. That is a beautiful way to support the podcast and it helps the algorithmic gods of iTunes or Apple or whatever know that people are digging this thing and it helps share it around. So thank you all for sharing. Thanks for doing you. And if you want to share this thing on the Instagram, that's a likely place that you could do it and you can tag myself at Align Podcast. And you can tag Dr. Dom at Dr. D-O-M-E-1. And there's a good chance we will reshare those clips. Alrighty, that is it. That is all. I hope you have a tremendous week. And once again, I appreciate y'all tuning in and implementing the information from this.